Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here, and I am here today with Paul Eastwood, who is our fearless leader, our lead pastor, who preached this Sunday. This was our second week of our series called Made for Mondays. That's a series on work. Uh, and last week, we kind of laid this beautiful foundation by we, I mean, Paul just talked about coming out of Genesis, what God created, um, how God created us to work and engage in, in the goodness of work. And this week we got a little more into the nitty gritty and in the reality of work. Um, last week might have been ideals and, and this week was more reality. And, and the reality, unfortunately, is that often sin corrupts work. Mm -hmm. um, so we talked a little bit from the book of Ecclesiastes, um, just some of the struggles and then, and then how we respond, how, how we can still work um, out of virtues and work towards virtues in our work. Um, yeah, just kind of unpacking that. Anything... Anything I didn't sum up very well? Anything you want to add there, Paul? No, I think I think you you summed it up. And and you know just to to reiterate, we we one of the things I think that was really important that we talked about on Sunday was that work is hard and work is difficult and work is going to have its challenges. And and you mentioned uh, just as you were saying this, you said that often work is corrupted by sin. The truth is that work is always corrupted by sin. Yeah. And, and creation, you know, we, we, we have this idea that somehow creation has just affected our spirituality. It's just affected a relationship with God and nothing else. And the truth is that sin corrupts absolutely everything, including what we do day to day. Yeah, I think that's, that's so important. I, um, I've, in so much of my studies and getting to know the Word of God better, just understanding that there is no spiritual, physical divide like we so often want there to be even. Like we, we think there's, it's just just spiritual life, but what I do physically matters less. And, and it's, it's together. That's one of the earliest heresies of the church is this dualism. Absolutely. Um, and we see this in work. It's not, it's not that physical work is bad or that, you know, we, we do it for the spiritual benefits. It's that work is a thing that affects our physicality and spirituality and it's all blended together in one. Yeah. And maybe to put it another way that is that, you know, when we start to divide things, the danger is where where and what we say is important. Mm -hmm. And so we get to a place, David, sometimes where we say, you know, what I do on Sundays when I'm worshiping, what I do on Sundays when I'm uh, spending time with others and learning and growing, that's important. And then what I do during the week is less important. And, yeah. and what I think what we're talking about when we say we need to break down these divides between the secular and the sacred or the idea of spiritual and non-spiritual we need to recognize that uh, that all of what we do is important, including mm. what we wake up for on Monday mornings. Yeah. So just to get right into it, into the nitty gritty, um, let me ask you a question. When do you give up on a job? Is there a time where we've said that sin corrupts all of work, but is there a yeah. time that it's corrupted enough that it's just time to move on or shouldn't be working there or shouldn't have been working there in the first place? Right, right. And so one of the questions that, that I'm often asked, and probably all of us have asked ourselves at one point in our lives, is is when is it time for me to move on? And uh, we often find ourselves in places that are, are, you know, frustrating. And for, you know, Monday after Monday that get more and more difficult, we just get to a place where we're like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out of here. I, want, I'm, I don't want any part of it. And I think one of the things that's really interesting, and, and we've been working through this book, uh, Timothy Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, it's a book that we're using sort of as a foundation for this series in many ways. It's a book that I read uh, that was recommended to me from someone from the church, and it really helped form some of the basis of what we've been talking about. But one of the, th the things he says that I think is very interesting is he said that for many people, the reason we find it unsatisfying, our work that is, is ironically because we have the power to choose our line of work more than we have in the past. 
And uh, psychology today bears this out in a very interesting way. Sometimes what we find is that when we have more choice, we become more dissatisfied with whatever we choose. So let me put it this way. If you go into a grocery store and there are 18,000 brands of peanut butter on the shelf and you go in and you want to buy peanut butter, you will likely leave thinking, I wonder if I got the right peanut butter. Yeah. And there's So I've got a great example of this, yeah. actually. I was out for dinner last night with a group of friends. We went to a restaurant in Hamilton and they said, it's family style, which means it's 25 bucks you get what we serve you. Right. And it was just this wonderful, refreshing experience of going somewhere. Right. And just eating the food that they brought me. I didn't have to right. think. I didn't have to look at the menu. It was just like, great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. And and I think that's that's the thing that that is interesting because we believe that when we have more choice, we're going to be more satisfied. And the truth is that work has got to a place where there are not these very simple, neat boxes for categories of work. There are all kinds of things that we could be doing. And the temptation is to be looking over the fence and saying, I'd rather be doing that, or that seems more interesting, or that seems that it's, it's you know, um, whatever the benefit of that particular thing is. Or somehow less corrupt. <laughs> right. And so, I, and I think, I think that's the first place to start. So you ask the question, when do we give up? When do we walk away? And I think the first question that we need to recognize, or first thing that we need to recognize in our mind is that all work has been infected by sin. And what that means is that all work is going to have thorns and thistles, like we, like it's talked about in Genesis. And that means that no matter where you find yourself, you're always going to find frustration and difficulty and hard work. Uh, so that's the first thing I think we need to think about. The second thing I think we need to recognize is that if sin has distorted our work and sin has distorted the whole world, we need to recognize that sin has also distorted us. Hmm. And so maybe part of the thing is that we like to blame everybody else and say, when I get into a context that this is just not working for me, uh, we like to say that it's everybody else's fault. My boss is really mean or uh, the hours are bad or it's this or it's that. But I think we need to recognize that part of the reason why sin is, or why work is so difficult is because of the sin in our own life. In other words, we bring it in ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so we need to take a harder look at ourselves when we start to get to that place of uneasiness. I think we also need to recognize that there's always going to be some of those difficulties wherever we find ourselves, And then, um, so, so with that in mind, I think that in many ways we need to be cautious because, uh, because jumping around or moving quickly to some other places is not going to find, we're not going to find that satisfaction. We're not going to find meaning in some other place of work. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So an encouragement to, uh, to stick it out maybe to, yeah. to, you know, know there are probably lines, but but also the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, it seems. Right, um, right. Yeah, sticking it out, I think, is a, is a good first step. Um, I remember someone uh, told me that the best way to find the person that you are going to spend the rest of your life with is, to, um, is, is basically when you get to that place where you can't say no anymore. Uh, you realize mm. there's just no, there, you know, you, you, you sort of say, okay, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And when you get to that place where it's like, look, I, I'm running out of <laughs> reasons not to, uh, that's the time when you're like, okay, I think I found the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let me, let me take it at a level deeper then. I mean, we've talked generically about not leaving a job, um, about we need to bring virtue, um, into that. Uh, you mentioned upselling. You talked about your time working for Bell, um, and you, you started by saying upselling isn't bad, uh, which as soon as you said that, I was like, really? What, where, where's he going with this? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think I, I kind of have this view that some of this business stuff can get really bad. I mean, I even talked, talked on Sunday about uh, introducing a new song we sang together about marketing and how marketing often tells us we're not enough. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, so explain for me, unpack for me again, this idea that, that upselling isn't bad while also turning people into a mark is bad. Where, where's right. that line there? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think the, in my mind, the way that I would look at that is that something, uh, we, we tend to get into the, this, this begins to separate out this, you know, what is spiritual and what is non-spiritual. And we see money and things like that as, as being really negative. And so we start to make these distinctions. That's not important. This is, you know, that, you know, and, and so I think that's part of the answer to that. But I also think though, that when we look at upselling at its, at its core, upselling could be about the individual. Hmm. It could be, it, it, normally isn't in many cases. I think that many of us can point to places where upselling is all about the, the all the products that I have at my fingertips or my disposal to, to give to somebody. And so we approach every phone call, every conversation we have with someone uh, trying to get them to buy more because we have more that we're supposed to be offering. But I think when we put the person in the center of the equation and we go into a conversation uh, upselling can be a way of of helping somebody see that a, something else might be a better option for them. Something mm. else might actually be um, um, be better for them. And so there's this there's a there's a sense in which uh, even something like upselling, when we focus on the person and their intrinsic value, then we can actually begin to find products that that fit their their situation even better. And so we can literally upsell in a way that honors God because we are uh, putting people at the center of the equation. Yeah, and, and as with most of these things, it seems to me like, like you can take it too far either way, right? Like we can certainly, Western Christianity at times has been accused of being too much about materialism and about these things. And we're, I, I agree that following Jesus isn't about getting stuff or receiving blessings or, yeah. or having more. Um, and yet part of, being human is is engaging with the stuff around us. It's eating. It's it's having clothes. It's these things which are are part of what we need. So so a complete rejection of that stuff and and the need for that stuff is actually isn't isn't right either. Right. Um, yeah. So I mean, let's let's take it again a step further. Uh, what if I'm uh, what if I'm in a job where I'm a telemarketer, and this is what I do to support my family, and my boss asks me to to engage in kind of coercive techniques and in, in upselling, ask me to do things that are, that are less than what I'm comfortable with. Uh, what should I do? Should I say, well, this is my job. I need to do it. I need to keep my job. Should I, should I take a stand then and there and just quit? What, what would you recommend? That's a, I, I mean, it's a good question and it's so complex, right? Obviously we can't, you know, answer a question like that, um, you know, just in, in a minute or two minutes or, or whatever. Um, it's certainly something that you need to wrestle with, but there are, but there are some, I think some guiding principles that help make these kinds of decisions. Uh, what I would suggest is that, is that your responsibility as a salesperson is to be a good salesperson and, and your uh, place of work is going to provide uh, some uh, some ways of being a better salesperson. And some of those things might cross a line ethically or may put you in a position where you feel like, okay, I'm not really sure that's going to help me be a better salesperson. And I think our goal in those situations is to be the best salespeople we can be while holding on to those things like our integrity and our, um, and our understanding uh, are sort of the virtues that we bring into that context. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, to me, it's 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 really about um, 
you know, like I, I think of a person like uh, Daniel in the Old Testament uh, was a person who was uh, taken away from his homeland uh, by the Babylonians. He was brought into this this kingdom and he was asked to do things in a very specific way. He was recognized as one of the best and brightest and he was given the, you know, the choice food and all of these kinds of things. And some of the things that he was being uh, asked to do uh, were going against his uh, understanding of how he wanted to honor God. And so what he did in that context is he he chose the right path. He chose to, you know, in this case, it was around eating was specifically what we can read about in scripture. And he read vegetable or he ate vegetables and drank water. And and he ended up being um, more successful in the kingdom. And so uh, the people that were there really recognized that his mindset was actually putting him in a better place uh, for the productivity of the of what the Babylonians were trying to accomplish. And so I think for us, the, 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 the application is that in those contexts, our goal is to be the best salesperson that we can be. Hmm. And, and, and for us, when we start focusing on the individual, when we bring the virtues of, uh, of, of love and, and things like that into those uh, contexts, we'll actually find ourselves even being successful um, uh, by, by doing things the right way. And I think that when we're being asked to do things that is completely contrary to to who we are, and where this becomes uh, so focused on, you know, we're we're being told that you know this is absolutely the way you have to do it. There may be some context where you need to move on, and it's just like, okay, this is just not in line with who I am. Yeah. But if you have the opportunity to say, I'm going to keep up with the sales goals, I'm going to keep doing that, and I'm going to do this in an ethical way. Um, and, and when, when your boss and when others see success in that, uh, there's going to be, it, it can actually begin to change the culture of your workplace too. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I love, um, is that so many of these leadership books, business books, uh, are written either by people who seem to be followers of Jesus or who have values and, and are, and are writing about values that, that seem to be very much in line with, with what it is to be a disciple of Christ. Like I'm fascinated by in the business world, there's this obviously customer service matters deeply and, and good leadership matters deep, deeply. And, and it seems the best leaders and the best research has been done are, are, are the leaders who, who serve, yeah. who, who get in the trenches, who, who aren't above anything, not the, not the tyrannical leaders that we often picture right. when we think of business, but they're the ones who, who lead like we think we should be living as followers of Jesus. And there's, yeah. there's a, in this, again, a good reminder that uh, living God's principles in our lives are not, they won't put us in opposition with everything going on around us. It actually is how we are meant to flourish as right. people. Um, right. It leads to this profound flourishing of, of business, of life, yeah. of, of joy. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And I mentioned this idea of like an owner's manual on Sunday and the fact that an owner's manual in a car will help make sure that the car is running at its best performance. And for us, we have the same sort of owner's manual that guides us in our activities. And when we or anyone else lines up with the things that that honor God and that are in line with his plans and purposes, what we find is flourishing and what we find is success. And so it's not surprising to me. It's actually uh, it's very interesting, but not surprising that when people pursue things like honesty and work and when they pursue some of the leadership things that you've mentioned, uh, what they find is that they find that they can be successful wherever they find themselves. And it's because we're in line with God's plans and purposes. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, you just mentioned the owner's manual. We've talked a little bit about the Bible as an owner's manual yeah. or, or a handbook. Um, we kind of talked about a car. 
And in some ways, I think that's a really helpful analogy. Um, in other ways, like it breaks down a little it bit does. because yeah, an owner's manual starts that it's got a pretty clear index, and the Bible starts in the beginning and and goes all over and tells all kinds of stories, and it doesn't have that same. I need to do an oil change. Look it up. Right. Here it is. Um, can you unpack a little more? I mean, yeah, I can see how it's a really helpful analogy, but but in what ways is the Bible more than that? Yeah, and so here's the thing. I think that so many of us, if so you're right. The, the the idea of an owner's manual begins to break down if we see the Bible as a place where we find a list of do's and don'ts. Mm. Uh, an owner's manual is really a list of things that you're supposed to do and things that you shouldn't do in order for your car to run properly. If we approach the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts, some kind of a checklist, there's a couple of things that are going to be a problem. One One problem is that we are not going to find answers to every situation that we're facing. You're not going to find in the Bible a suggestion to, you know, when to speak up in a meeting or when not to speak up in a meeting or an interview or those kinds of things. Some some of those, the the complex situations and the complex ethical situations that we face are not going to be answered in a, you know, chapter and verse in the Bible. So, So the first problem is when we start to treat it as a list of do's and don'ts. But what we can find is wisdom and wisdom comes from the bigger picture, from the unfolding story. And we call it the gospel, this, this bigger story of God as he comes and, and enters into the world and, and, and makes a difference in our lives. Uh, this, this, un, this growing story can bring wisdom to whatever we're facing. Hmm. And, and here's how it does it. It tells us about God, tells us about the God who loves us and cares for us and created the world and came into the world. It tells us about ourselves, who we are, uh, that, that sin has corrupted us. It tells us uh, our, our shortcomings, reminds us where we some, sometimes miss the mark. And the third thing is it, it reminds us about the world around us, the way things are, how we interact with the world, how God interacts with the world. And those three things, when we start to apply those to every situation that we find ourselves when we wake up and go to work on Monday morning, those things... Um, uh, those things begin to 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 help us see things in a in a much different way, and in that way, those that's where we when we start lining up with that, that's when we start to see the flourishing. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily when we do this, then that will happen. So if I obey here, here, and here, then this, this, and this will happen. You and I both know that's not the way the gospel works. Yeah. It is not about what we do and then get something for yeah, it. It's not transactional. No, and that's and 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 in a way, you're right. Owner's manuals can be a little bit more transactional in that way, where the Bible provides something much grander, mm-hmm. and it's that that we see where we see the congruence with things that are going on in the world, and um, you know, in terms of business and and business flourishing, where we see congruence with that bigger picture. Uh, is, is where things uh, start to line up and start to kind of, uh, they, they, they fit and it, and it feels right. Yeah, and I think one of the, again, one of the helpful ways in which the Bible is maybe an owner's manual is, you know, if we you're in a car and something goes wrong, what do you do? You turn to your owner's manual. You study mm-hmm. it. You figure out what's going on. Right. And, you know, you're looking for a specific answer, sure. And, and we probably shouldn't do that in the same way in the Bible. We shouldn't look for a, what should I do right now? Is there something that tells me exactly what to say? Exactly. But the Bible will give us the right frameworks and, and put us in the right story and, and define our world in the right way and help us to know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah this is great. Um, yeah, as we wrap up, anything else, anything else you want to say, any, any way you want to close or hints you want to give us as what's coming next? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I just, you know, I, I mentioned on Sunday, we spent a lot of time talking about this idea of infusing meaning into our work. Mm. And I think that for many of us, if we're not careful, we look for work with meaning. 
and and this is this is in part why sometimes we move around often in our work. We we're trying to find meaning in some place of employment, whereas I think what we see in the Bible and what we see as in terms of God's plan for us is that we can infuse meaning wherever we find ourselves, and we infuse meaning into our places of work by by allowing the the virtues that we understand through the Bible. Uh, God's bigger plan for humanity, his the way he sees the world, uh, when we begin to uh, allow those things to drive us and to focus our energies and our and our activities at work, mm-hmm. that's when we begin to find meaning. And I think that's really, really crucial. Yeah. Um, the oh. other thing I just wanted to say, you know, as we're closing too, is is the we will get the most out of this series. Uh, when we interact with other people about it, ask some hmm. questions, find somebody, talk about some of the things that that are that we've been bringing up, because there are questions here that uh, this is a complex conversation. There are so many things that go into all the activities that we do during the week, and I think we have to. Um, there's no easy answers here. There's lots of good discussion, and and I hope that uh, you continue to engage with these uh, podcasts, and you can uh, have your questions uh, below here in the comments, or you can uh, text them to us or email them to us, because we really would love to hear what you're thinking through and how some of the questions that perhaps we're raising are also uh, changing the way you're thinking about things or, or, or raising new questions for you. Absolutely. We would love to hear your questions if you've got any. Uh, thanks, Paul. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for those who have tuned in and listened along. We will be back next week with another podcast. Have a great week.